My name's Brett. For all of you in the back who don't know me, okay? Because y'all know me. We've been at it this week. Have you had a good week? I've had a great week. It's been a ton of fun this week. I got to see a lot of volleyball and softball today, uh, which was cool. I stayed for like a whole game, okay? So like, don't be mad if I left for five minutes, okay? Uh, if yeah, that was you, hypothetically mad at me for, but that's okay. Uh, we have learned a lot this week. What have we learned? Sunday night. Get out the boat. You got to decide. Decisions, decisions. You got to decide to get out the boat. What we learned on Monday morning, find that right source. You got to have the wellspring of living water. If you're out there with a broken cistern, you're going to be thirsty, okay? What we learned Monday nights, God's timing is better than your timing. Very important, very difficult piece of the puzzle. Hard to learn, hard to master, hard to trust a lot. That's a toughie. Uh, what we learned on Tuesday morning, focus. Phase two, commit, focus. And then what was the second word? Seek. You got to focus on Jesus. You have to seek him. And then what was the third word? Receive. Excellent. And then we came through and we were in phase three. Phase three last night, we were getting ready for today. Last night we talked about. Say it out loud. Prayer. Last night we talked a little bit about seeking. We, were, we read a story. Y'all remember the story we read? I'm waiting for the notes to be like, oh, yeah. Last night y'all did prayer. Sorry, thank you. Yesterday morning. In my head, it's fun big session. I'm excited about it. Yesterday morning, thank you. Choose joy. Boom. There it is. You've got to go find it. If you aren't going to look for it, you've got to find it, right? We're talking about choosing joy. And we talked a little bit about what that looks like in your world. Then last night, y'all did the polls, which I read these. These are so cool. Uh, listen to me when I say that Jesus got your back on these, all right? So don't, don't be out here just writing it and letting it go. You keep on going. Then, then this morning, did we do something this morning? Okay, I blacked out. This morning, we talked about what? Light it up, right? We talked about you've got a, you've got a nickname, Salt and light, and it's time to light it up. you got to go in and light it up. We're going to look at our last session tonight. This is in phase three, the land of the living. This is in phase three. Go live it, okay? So the phase one was decide. Phase two is commit. Phase three is live. And we're setting you up for when you go home. We're going to look at a story today. We've got a lot of scripture to read. It's in John 9. John 9, if you've got your Bibles, go for it. Uh, what's happening here is this is, again, John is Jesus' best friend, writing a lot of things down. John gives us, uh, the thing about John, which is a really cool thing, is that his gospel is 90% different than the other three. Now, I don't know why that is. Uh, a lot of people think that that makes it uh, not harmonious. Uh, but I think it's kind of cool because John had a unique seat at the table with Jesus. He was his best friend. I mean, imagine being Jesus' best friend. Knowing all the conversations, all the late nights when all the other disciples are snoring. And Jesus is up and John's like, man, what's up? What's going on? Like, you're off today. And Jesus is like, yeah, I've just been thinking about this thing. Or Jesus kind of like pulls him in. So John has kind of an insight. And the reason it's 90% different, I think, is that the other ones came out. These other gospels were written a little bit before John. And John was probably reading some of those. And he's like, oh, there is so much more to the story, though. You've got to know Jesus the person. Because Matthew spends a lot of time talking about Jesus, the God, like the Messiah. He kind of talks about fulfilled prophecy and all that stuff. And then Mark hung out with Peter. You remember Pete? Jumping out the boat, Peter, 
Okay, and so Mark like tells a bunch of the miracle stuff, which makes sense if you think about Peter, the ultimate hype man. And then Jesus did this, and then Jesus did this, and then Jesus did this. And Mark's like, hold on, i got to write all this down. Okay, and then you got Luke, the investigator, who's like, I just want, it to, I just want to know what it looks like. I just want to go chronologically. And then you got John, Jesus' best friend. John, and in this conversation we're going to look at, this is such an awesome account. I don't want to, like, tilt my hand before we get there because I'm so excited about it. Uh, but I want to bring you into the story one last time for the year. Bring you into the story. Remember, I don't want you to be a person in the story. I want you to be in the crowd in the story. But make your way to the front of the crowd so you can see what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to look at a story. This is a unique story. Now, I've got some context to give you that you may not know about. So we're going to do the context thing uh, as we go through. But we have a long way to go. Okay, so you got to stick with me tonight. Cool? All right, cool. I'm going to run out of time. It's going to be awesome. Now, Jesus just coming out, he's making some big claims. People are getting a little bit frustrated, all right? And Jesus comes in, and as they went along, this is John 9, verse 1. As they went along, they being the disciples, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, his disciples asked him a very normal question for the time. This is a weird question for us, but in this moment, this is a normal question. Rabbi, talking to Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Now, this is an interesting piece of context. This culture believed that if you were born blind or with some sort of ailment, that there was this sin that was unforgiven in your ancestry. Now, we know that's, that's not necessarily true based on what Jesus is about to say. But what we're, what we're getting at is there is this idea brought forth that the only way they could come up with that was that there was some sort of sin and you and God are kind of against each other and so he's punishing you. And so these guys are asking a very, very normal question for the day. And Jesus is about to shatter the glass. You know what I'm saying? Going to go like that. He's going to shatter the glass of a theology that they thought. Jesus says, verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me this dude had to live his life blind so that God would be praised? Jesus like, yes. That's almost word for word. Exactly what I just told you. That this man was born blind, so this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day... We must do the work of him who sent me, talking about God, okay? Night is coming, Jesus alluding to the day where he's going to be crucified, where no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When I leave the world, you are the light of the world. Remember, we talked about that this morning. Now, this is an important piece. Jesus staying on the light train. He keeps the light and dark conversation going throughout the whole thing. And John really zones in on that. Light versus dark because darkness can't stand in the light. Having said this, imagine this. You're blind. Close your eyes. You've been like this your whole life. And you hear, and you're like, what was that? Anybody hear that? And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. Okay. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and then put it on the man's eyes. Gross. Jesus is like, y'all, all right, hold on. Listen, this man wasn't born blind. Now remember, you're blind. You can hear all the conversation. You're like, yeah, why am I blind? I got questions. 
And he's like, no, the man wasn't born blind. He was here because God's going to do his thing and be glorified. And you're like, this is weird. And you hear, and you're like, wait, what was going on? What? Hey, what are you doing? Okay. And you get sand and mud on your eye. And you're like, why would you? That's rude, dude. I'm blind already. That was very rude of you, sir. Excuse me, sir. You know? And he's like, why would you do that? Now, how easy would it be? We've read stories all week. How easy would it be if Jesus just went, hey, not blind anymore. We're good. How easy is that? Easy. Yeah, it's Jesus. Like the dude walked on water. That feels like a, feels like a small, small giant, like small hill to climb up. Just say, hey, you're, you can see now. Okay? Open your eyes. Good to go? Cool. Awesome. But he doesn't. Why? Because Jesus is creative. Jesus is like, I'm about to, I'm just going to twist it a little bit. You know, I was like, Brent, why are you doing that? I don't know, because if you were blind and you heard noises like that, you'd probably be like, I can't even run. I don't even know where to go. Like, if I run, I might run into something. Pine trees, perhaps. Okay? It's a, it's a target-rich environment. It's a very good thing. But the reality is, you hear someone spit, and all of a sudden, mud. And you're like, I, all right, hold on, I can put two together. This is rude. Pay attention to this. Go, Jesus said, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. This means sent. Important. So the man went and he washed and he came home seeing. When his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the guy? Isn't this the dude that was over there begging? Do you remember this guy? I remember seeing this guy. I mean, he didn't see me, but I saw him. You remember because he's blind? Hashtag blind jokes. Not funny. All right. So when he man used to sit and he begged, and some claimed that he was. Others said, nah, he only looks like him. You know, it's like, but he himself insisted, no, that was me. I was the guy. I was the guy. And then they said, how then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus, he made some mud. I don't really want to talk about how he made the mud, but he, he made some mud. He threw that stuff on my eye. All right. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed, and then I could see. And they said, where is the man? And he said, I don't know. I didn't see where he went. What a stupid question. I was blind. Remember, I told that's a big piece of the puzzle, sir. All right. Slap. Ah, grouse. Salam. Ah, whatever. I'm not doing anything. Can somebody take me there? Because there's poles out here. Oh, see? I need help. Goes to the wa- washes. Imagine that moment. Dude does a cannonball. Comes out and he's like, whoa. You always look like that, you know. Dude does a cannonball. He comes out. He can see. People are like, oh, no, that's not him, clearly, because he can see now, and that's stupid. And so they're like, this is ridiculous, and it's breaking the concept of what they know about the Messiah and what this Messiah is supposed to be. Y'all remember having Jesus in a box? Here's what Jesus is supposed to do. You know who's great at doing this these days? The church. That's why we need people who read the Bible and get creative. And see Jesus in a different light so you could go back to church and help some of these people out. All right? I'm, I'm believing big things about you, Hiawatha. Okay? But Jesus was so creative, he could have said, okay, now you can see. But he's like, nah, let's put some work into it. Why not? I'm feeling a little creative today. I'm going to stretch it out. Makes mud, puts it on the dude's eyes, lets him go. And then everybody's like, well, where did he go? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see where he went. I was too busy. 
going and doing what he told me to do. Then they brought the Pharisees to the man. Oh, boy. This is the best part. They brought the man, the blind man, to the Pharisees, the Pharisees to the blind man. Now, on the day which Jesus had made mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. (sighs) Jesus, what are you doing? You're out here working on the Sabbath. We've got rules, Jesus. Remember the rules? You're not allowed to be creative on the Sabbath. This is church. You're not supposed to like it. You're supposed to show up, be bored, go home, and think about what you're bored about. That's how church is supposed to be. This is the Sabbath. You're supposed to take naps, eat roast, and take more naps. That's it. Okay? And Jesus is out here making mud, you ridiculous sir. I'm a little animated tonight. I got a nap in. It's kind of crazy. Therefore, the Pharisees... Therefore, the Pharisees also asked the man how he had received his sight. Well, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and then I washed it. Now I can see. And some of the Pharisees like, uh-uh, no, this man's not from God, for he didn't keep the Sabbath. And they're like, wait, what? Did you know one of the prophecies, one of the markers that the Pharisees have? Do you know one of the markers they have? You probably don't know this because like, we don't pay you to learn this stuff. One of the markers of the future, like the Messiah to come by prophets, was that he would make the blind see. Like you will know who it is because he'll be opening up eyes like crazy. He'll be shattering the theology that something bad is happening, like there's this sin thing. And he's just going to come to blind people and he's going to make them see. Did you know that? Do you know one of, them, one of the markers was he going to make the lame walk? Like he can come up, you can, you can stand up now, so can you. Mm, I'll get to you later, you know? Like... Like, this is one of the Messiah markers. Like, how, here's how you will know. And the Pharisees' job, their literal job, was when Jesus, sorry, let me back up. When the Messiah showed up, because they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. When the Messiah showed up, they were supposed to be like, hey, everybody, that's him. And instead, they're like, you look like the Messiah, you smell like the Messiah, you do Messiah things, but you're doing it on the Sabbath. Sir, (laughs) shame on you, Jesus. But others said, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? See, other people are like, yeah, but but isn't that one of the things? Hold up, though. Like, I appreciate where you're at on the Sabbath thing. But, like, if he's a sinner, how can he do this? This is one of the things. This is one of the signs. This is the one they told us about. I remember that part in grade school when they were telling me about the signs. This is it. So they were divided. Just like the United States. But others asked, how can a sinner do miraculous signs? Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It's your eyes he opened. And the blind man says this. I don't know. He's a prophet. I don't care. And they're like, the Jews still did not believe that he was blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. They called mom and dad. This is crazy. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We want some answers. And the guy who's blind is like, can we just throw a very small party, please? I, I'm sick. Like, I want to see what, what's a balloon look like. I only know what it sounds like, and it's terrible. Show me what it looks like. Is it worth it? They didn't have balloons back then, I think. I'm pretty sure I know. All right. 
the Jews did not believe the man is this man, and then the we know he's our son. Well, I mean, we, we were there for that, okay? We know he was born blind. We saw that, and we, you know, he received his sight. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. Um, how he can see, we don't know. Why don't you ask him? I mean, he's, he's a grown-up. He's, he's of age. You should ask him. Now, their parents were a little bit frustrated because they thought, like, maybe they'd get thrown out the church. Okay, because the Pharisees, the guys who ran the church, now I'm saying church very loosely. We're talking about the temple, the synagogue, a place that's pretty much like the marketplace of the gender. Like, it, to be thrown out of the marketplace means that you can't trade, you can't do business, you can't make money. I mean, it's a, it is a big deal. It's not like you can't go to church anymore. Some of you are like, great, Sunday morning, I get to sleep in. No, it's not like that. It's like you can't, you're not part of the center of the community and of the, of the group that's, you know, you're not part of the center. This is the economic center of it. And so they're afraid they're going to get thrown out because if they make the Pharisees mad, because they know the Pharisees already don't like Jesus. Because Jesus out here doing things like, you know, making blind people walk and healing the blind and telling people, like, I'm the light of the world. And they're like, no, nah, we hate you for that. You know, it's our job to point to you, but, like, you're making us, like, look bad. Because, you know, like, the Messiah comes, he's going to make us look great. <laughs> It's about us, not the Messiah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a twist in their story. You know, these are good, sarcastic, theological things. Not getting a lot of laughs, so I'm just going to keep moving on. Okay. It's been my week, though. I'm okay. I'm going to make it happen. It's going to be okay. He's of age. Ask him. See, his parents were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already decided that anyone who acknowledges Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, will be put into the synagogue. And that's why his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. Great. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Awesome. See you at Christmas, right? Okay, I can't. God, I am trying so hard. They're not listening. Okay, I'm doing my best. All right. I'm just going to read to this door. <laughs> A second time, they summon the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, which is another phrase, a solemn challenge and a solemn change to tell the truth. They're saying, okay, under oath now, give glory to God. Hey, we're going to bring God into this. You remember God? We're going to bring him in now. You're under oath. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner now. We got you. He replied, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. There is one thing, however, that I do know. This morning, I was blind, but now I can see. You can take my word for it or don't. Doesn't change my reality. Here's the reality for you. I don't know what I acted like last Thursday, but I know today I went to Hiawatha. I went in without Jesus. I'm coming out with Jesus. I don't know the other answers. Oh, you're different, though. You've changed. Yes, I suppose I have because I was blind, and now I see. You don't have to, you don't have to believe me. You know, hey, I don't even care anymore. All I know is I want to see the guy that did it. Whether he's a sinner or not, we don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, I see. They said, then what did he do to you? They asked him, what happened? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already. 
I'm getting sick of it, sir. You're not listening. I told you, I heard the noise, gross. And now he's probably at this point, he's like, yeah, the dude spit. And he made mud with it. At this point, I'm so, I don't even care. And he threw it on my eye and then I went to the, I already told you all this. I'm getting frustrated now. You're starting to fire me up now, okay? This blind guy will just, I can see. And how come there's no party? Not even a little one. Even my parents were like, throw me to the bus. Great. Awesome. I keep losing my spot because I'm so excited. He answered, I have told you already you did not listen. Then why do you want to hear it again? And then, oh, he does this thing. He does this thing that the young people do who believe in Jesus. This is the thing you do when people, like, have a concept of God and then you, like, you, like, shift it a little bit. Okay? I've run into this a lot in my career. Not always have I done this well. Do you want to be his disciples too? And at this point, the Pharisees are like, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. The God we serve has rules. And he's going to do things the way that we think they should be done. We've got a box for how God operates. And him sending Jesus to make spit and mud is not one of those ways. It doesn't fix my concept of a God. And so no way do I want to be the disciple of a man that would break the Big Ten and do something on the Sabbath, even though the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath, which Jesus said. But, hey, I guess we're not going to pay attention to that little ditty. And so the Pharisees are like, no, sir. And they start hurling insults at this dude who's over here like, I'm just telling you the craziest story of my life. My life will never be the same. And y'all disagree, and that's fine. I'm just asking, you want to be his disciples too, though? Would you like to be following a Jesus that's just a little too creative for your three-pound, six-pound brain to comprehend? And it, hold up. If you could fit an infinite God in your six-pound brain, that would not be a God worth following. If you could encompass the entirety of an infinite God with your finite brain, that's not a God worth following. And Jesus is changing the dynamic of how they think about God in real time on a Sunday, no less, which was a Saturday back then. Context. The man answered. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Then they hurled insults at him. Great. True Christian behavior here. You are his fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. You know, the God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where Jesus comes from. And the guy who was blind is about to show them what they don't see. Get ready. Not only is this dude blind and now can see, he's about to get after it to the dudes who are supposed to see it. Check this out. Now that's remarkable. You don't know where he come from, yet he opened my eyes. That's wild to me, sir. That's crazy talk. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. And nobody has ever heard of the eyes of a man being born blind, being open. We've never heard of the opening of the eyes of a man born blind because that was that was a little tidbit remember that little that was like exclusive for the messiah that he would come in and open the eyes of those who were born blind he would come up and make them walk those who were born lame i mean these are really significant pieces of the puzzle 
And we know that a sinner can't do that. And if this man is not from God, he could do nothing. At this rate, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? (laughs) And they threw him out. Get. And so the man's out there like, this is (laughs) He gets thrown out. I don't know how to like bring the tension in on this enough. He gets thrown out. He's like, is this what sin looks like? You know, he's supposed to be bummed. He's over here like, I can see. Whoa, the world is so big. You know, he's supposed to be having a hard day. And then Jesus, check this out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and he went to find him. Jesus like, Jesus over here doing his thing, probably eating lunch. That all's going on. And they throw him out, and, and somebody figures out that, Jesus, they just threw the dude out that you made. Remember the blind dude? Remember that guy this morning? They just threw him out. And Jesus is like, oh, I want to go hang out with him. Let's go talk to him. And so Jesus steps over, and when Jesus heard this, he went and he found him. And he said, listen, 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 do you believe, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you not think the blind guy recognized that voice? The last thing I heard when I couldn't see was that voice. Sit in this moment for a minute. Sit in this moment. Either you are. Where's that voice coming? I know that voice. And then you start looking and he's staring at Jesus. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He's saying, who is he? Come on, tell me. Tell me that I know. Tell me what I know. Tell me what I know to be true. Tell me. Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me that I may believe in him. Because I know that voice. I know that voice. I know what you, I hear you. I'm listening. I'm looking right at you. Please, ooh, tell me this is it. Tell me this is the moment. Who is he, sir? And Jesus said, you have now seen him. It's me. You know, I'm the son of man. You know, in fact, he's the one speaking to you. And the man is like, oh, don't I know it? Yes, sir. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This man got thrown out the temple. But he got to meet Jesus. This man was born blind, but now he can see. I got thrown out the temple, but I got to tell you, I've had worse days. (laughs) I got to tell you, the craziest day of my life is today. I don't even know. They better write, someone better write this down. Nobody's going to believe it. I'm going to walk around for the rest of my life. I'm going to tell people about this guy named Jesus who I was born blind. Now I can see, and they're going to be like, no. It's going to be like one of those, like, you know those people who lose a ton of weight? You know, and you didn't know them when they were, like, when they were, like, fatter or bigger. Like, you didn't know them. You just see where they're at now. And they're like, oh, yeah, you, I, I used to weigh, like, 450 pounds. No. No way. And they're like, no, I did. And they pull up a photo. This guy doesn't have that option. You know what I'm saying? You're just going to have to believe me. I was born blind. Now I can see. And, now, and I, not only that, but the guy who did it, I had no idea where he went. And then he came and he found me. I didn't have to go look for him. He came and looked for me. How crazy is that? 
And then Jesus engages in a conversation. It's a little bit theological. You can read it. I'd love to pull that apart, but that's a whole different sermon. Talks about how the Pharisees are out here, and they hear Jesus engage with this guy. And he says, look, I came to the world for the blind. And everybody who's blind will learn to see. And the people who think they see it are the people who are actually blind because they got me in a box. And that box is overshadowing how creative I can be. See, there's this guy named Propaganda. Y'all probably don't listen to him because I do because he's a hip-hop artist. You listen to Prop? You know my man's Prop. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about, reaching the generations. I love that. He says, I was recently told that I was too creative. How did they say it? They said I wasn't Christ-centered enough. And the peeps that I'm trying to reach wouldn't understand my speech. I said, it's cool. It's not an issue. I ain't so judgmental. Thank you for the advice. I'm just not afraid of heights. And then he goes into, it's like, it's like Christ wasn't afraid to mix spit with mud. Like he couldn't fix vision with one word. I'm sorry. I get my creativity from my father. See, y'all got this idea of what it looks like to be the light of the world. And what it looks like is what you've been taught. It's what you've been taught or what you've been said to you. It's like, oh, you can do this, but you can't do this. Or this is what it looks like. This is not. Why don't you read the Bible, get after some Jesus time, and go find out? Get in there. Be the light of the world, but don't be the light of the world that we look, because we're going to do things like tell you you can't do it on a Sunday. You see what I'm saying? Like the Pharisees, their job is to tell me when, you know, like where's Jesus at? And they missed him. Not only did they miss him, they did such a great job finding Jesus that they nailed him to the cross and put him on display for everybody to look at. They did an awesome job. Nailed it. Pun intended. Okay. And then Jesus like, part of the plan anyway, boys. You can't mess this up. Isn't this more creative <laughs> that I would suffer for your sin? That's probably not what you thought was coming. You probably didn't think a dude from Bethlehem be up here saving the world. Probably didn't think some random guy, shepherds, would be chilling out in the field that they wouldn't see that star and come see me, some kid. Probably didn't think some dude from Nazareth, because nothing good can come from Nazareth. It's like Ohio. You know? It's like nothing good comes from Ohio. Well, if Jesus were here, he'd probably be from Ohio. And we'd all be in trouble because we've said some things. <laughs> so it's like that. It's like this. How can something like that come from a place like that that's lower than us? It's not fitting the box that I created. It's not fitting the parameters in which I've explored God. And the problem is, is that you haven't explored Jesus in the way that you should. You've allowed someone like me to draw the parameters for you. Or what's worse, I think what's worse, is you've allowed culture to draw the parameters for you. And I can guarantee you they aren't reading it. Is not going great. What would it look like for you to draw parameters based on what you're exploring? I don't want you to go to school and light it up and not know why you're lighting it up. I want you to go to school and get creative in how you share the light in the dark. So the word, the phrase is be creative. Jesus did not have to mix spit. With dirt to make mud, it didn't have to happen that way. He just, you know what, today I'm going to create something. Here's the story, John. Write today down. It's very important. I'm going to mix it up. Like he couldn't fix it with one word? I mean, we talked earlier about the woman who was bleeding. All she had to do was touch his clothes. Like that's, like he could have done that. But he didn't. He mixed it up. He got creative. And here's the craziest part. 
This is the craziest part to me. Not only did he do creative things while he was here, <laughs> but he left it to a bunch of people just like us. I want you to think about this. 2,000 years later, we are still talking about Jesus. You don't talk about anybody 2,000 years ago unless they are a footnote in the story of Jesus. Jesus is the most polarizing individual in the history of mankind. And now more than ever, people are choosing sides. People who, are, people who are trying to fit the story of who Jesus is into a box that they manufactured growing up at the same church for the same amount of time. And you're like, Brent, why do you keep picking on the church? Because I think we're missing him. And we need people to come up and show him to us. I think the church, not everybody, but some are missing, the, we're missing it. Jesus came in and did things that didn't make sense to the people who were there. And he came in, he got creative. And he came in, he walked on water. Like, why would you do that? It's like, cool story, though, you know? And he didn't just walk on water. He's like, all right, Pete, come on. <laughs> he's like, what's going on with this? And then they wrote it down. And that scripture was preserved for 2,000 years. Listen to me, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. If Jesus didn't do these things, it never would have made it through the first century. As a matter of fact, I can make a strong claim that when all of the Jews by Nero were rallied up into Jerusalem in 70 AD, 70 years after Jesus was born, pay attention to this, and Rome didn't just persecute the Jews, they slaughtered them. And then they burned the temple. When that happened, when that moment happened, it never should have made it through. When the disciples who hid and then had breakfast with Jesus started telling everybody about him. You remember that? They were like scared. They're like, oh, no, we're next. And then they're like, yeah, I don't even care anymore. Take my life. You can't mess with me because I know what I saw. I was blind and I can see. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm not telling you what I believe. I'm telling you what I saw. And this dude is like, well, where did he go? I don't know. I didn't see where he went. But I can tell you right now, I can see things now. That dude comes in front of me again. You better believe I'm following him. You want to come with me? No, nah, he doesn't fit our context. No, nah, he doesn't fit my theology. No, nah, he doesn't fit the world that, that I grew up in. So, no, Jesus isn't invited. You ever been there? Would you be brave enough? Would you be courageous enough to let Jesus be just a little bit creative in your life? Now, pay attention to me now. Things are going to happen in your life that suck. The road is not easy. We call that life. Don't put God on the bench and blame him for the score. Invite Jesus in and say, Jesus, I know, I don't, why, I, I wish I knew. Man born blind has got some questions prior to seeing the miracle coming. Okay? Now he's like, hey, I don't even care about all that because I can see now. I'm going to go get some. I'm going to go out there, I'm going to live that life, I'm going to see everything that I can see because I was blind and now I can see. My point is this, is that you're going to have hard times. Hard times are going to come. They're going to happen. Would you invite Jesus in and allow him some space to work? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't get that. We want, we live in a microwave culture, immediate results. I Google something, I expect an answer. If it doesn't happen, I cancel out, I reload the, I reload the safari, and I go again. That should have happened instantaneously, you know? Shooting to the sky and coming back down. Not enough. No, make it better. You know, we talked a little bit about this. We live in a microwave culture. But isn't it true? Isn't it true that things taste better when they take time? I, I know how to smoke brisket, okay? 14 hours to get that bad boy to melt inside of itself and then melt in your mouth. If you're here and you're a vegetarian, pretend I'm, like, smoking corn or something. <laughs> pretend it's something really good that melts in your mouth, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you are a vegetarian, I appreciate you. I'm not going to, but you can. <laughs> the next time someone asks you why you haven't arrived yet, I want you to look them in the face and say, because God's cooking mine slow. And you know what? I'm going to let him be creative. Have this idea that you're supposed to arrive by 20, 21, 30. Y'all, you've got a lifetime. Wouldn't you rather arrive when you're ready than arrive too soon? Wouldn't you rather have that slow smoke brisket than the chicken nuggets in the microwave? Nothing wrong with chicken nuggets. I'm just saying that brisket. I don't know why this dude was born blind outside of the fact that Jesus was going to come in, get creative. And this dude was about to tell everybody he came in contact with about what Jesus did for him. Some of you walked into camp blind. We did not intentionally put mud in your eyes. If you got mud in your eyes, that's on you, okay? Run better, all right? But here's what I do know. We have spent a lot of energy in these sessions and a lot of time mixing spit and dirt to try to get you to open up your eyes and see something you didn't see before you got here. We started on a boat, and we're ending in water. We're ending at a pool where this dude wakes up and says, oh, I can see. This is wild. Jesus says, as long as I'm here, the light's here. When I go out, it's up to y'all. So phase three is about living in the way that you can live the best Take every single element of your personality. Take every gifting you have. Don't try to be somebody else. Be exactly who God created you to be and watch what he can do with it. Look, I am not great at a lot of things. And the moment you start comparing yourself to somebody, because, you know, it's like I was going to be in the NBA. Turns out <laughs> I'm not that good. <laughs> like I am, I am just not. I can shoot the basketball, but those guys are crazy. Think about this. If I compare myself to the NBA player and wonder why I'm not there, I just never show up to Hiawatha. But I started crafting my gifting in teaching and leadership years ago. I've got 15 years of experience arriving here to teach you some stuff. 
where are you going to be? Some of you might be here talking to people. That could be you. I'm nothing special. I'm just a guy that goes to a church that one of the people knew about who, goes, who went to the camp for years. He said, I, you have a beard. You, you'll work. <laughs> you don't like sleeping. Come on. You know? I'm not special. I'm just a man. But I'm going to tell you what makes me extraordinary. This is what makes me extraordinary. I believe Jesus is way too creative to put me on the sideline. I think I've been invited to the game. That's why God has taken me all over the country. That's why I have stories on stories on stories. It's crazy. I shouldn't be a part of those stories, but I have them. I know the coolest people. Like, I've met some of the coolest people. Because God is so creative. And there's a, there's a moment in your life where you make a decision, let Jesus be creative with your life. That's this moment. That's at Hiawatha. That's camp time. And when you go out there and you wonder why it's all coming against you, we warned you. So don't be afraid. Let Jesus be creative. Let him do his thing. You know what? I bet you Jesus can do more in and through you if you're willing to let him do that than you can do on your own. I believe Jesus' plan is better for you than your plan. This guy's plan was sit around and beg. Give me a shot. Give me some cash. Jesus came up said, nah, new plan. And he, I'll bet you he never sat down again. <laughs> I'll bet you he told everybody, and he was moving everywhere telling everybody. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Hey, let me tell you a story. Hey, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Have I told you a story? I've told you four times. Okay, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to come back. Be ready. Let me tell you a story. And it's like that dude that always tells you the same stories all the time. You say you. <laughs> it's like you. Here's the deal. I don't want to lose the reality of the night. The last phrase is be creative. We've already talked about waiting on God's timing. We've already talked about what it looks like for you to commit, for you to focus, for you to, for you to focus in, seek, and receive. We've already talked about decisions. This is the action step. Get creative. I dare you. Because, again, I'm sick of seeing a generation. I'm sick of seeing a generation let other people who are older than them tell them how Jesus worked. You're not done. You know how he works. You've seen how he works. Don't let anybody, anybody tell you different. Read the Bible. Don't make stuff up. But if, you've, if you were blind and now you see, nobody's going to take that away from you. I'll never forget the day. I'll never forget the day that I decided that I'm going to go into ministry. I was in, I was in class. I was sitting by these two really cute girls. We were in math class. Calculus, too. It sucks. And uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember being, like, really motivated to do math for my minor. I don't know why exactly, but I just was motivated because it felt like a challenge, and I like challenging things. 
And we had homework, and the professor said, okay, who got this answer? And I said, oh, I got this answer. And I, he said, well, that's the wrong answer. I said, can you show me how you got there so I can learn, you know, on the board so I can learn it? And so he actually arrived at the same answer I arrived at. And then he said, no, that's not true. He erased it, and he did it again. And then he arrived at the same answer. And he said, hmm, that's not it. And I was like, why am I here? <laughs> And so I looked at the girls that I was with, and I said, it's been a good run. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing? I said, I am going to, going to change my minor to a major in psychology and sociology so that I can help people know and follow Jesus. And they're like, what? Close my book. I walk up, and I'm leaving, and the professor looks at me and says, where are you going? This is rude. Don't do this. But it's my personality, so deal with it. I said, sir, all due respect, if you can't even find the right answers, how can you show me the right answers? I'm going to change my major because people need the right answers, and they need to know how to find them. I went in that day. It was awesome until I had to get my minor. I had to be discharged from my minor, and the guy that was the guy I said that to had to sign the paper for it. <laughs> And I was like, justice, <laughs> I'm bummed. I was like, oh, hey, um, you mind signing this for me, by the way? Like, could you do that? He's like, I don't understand why. I said, dude, I just, I'm created for something different. Created for something more. You are too. It was in that moment I went, I learned psychology, sociology. I have used, I wanted to be a criminal profiler, okay? So, like, I was all about that, and I use my degree every day. Like, working with teenagers is like profiling criminals. It's awesome. Okay? I use it all the time. All right? But here's the reality. Here's what I don't want. I don't want you to miss this. See, I never went to Bible school. I went to seminary for a year, and my seminary professor told me, pay attention to this. He asked me. I'd come in. I would come in. I would say, hey, how you doing? Dr. Scott, Lane, nice to see you. I'm going to go to the back. Okay. Well, he says, hands me a paperback, and on the top of it, I, you know, I go and shake his hand every morning. I went in, I look him in the eye, I say, hey, how are you? Good day. You doing all right? Good eye, mate, you know? He's doing good. And he would be like, on the top of one of my papers, he said, hey, see me after class. And I'm like, I suck at homework, okay? So I'm like, what does that mean? So, you know, then I'm thinking about it. You know, you would be too. And you got to go the whole class. Why wouldn't you tell me this at the end? Like, what are you doing to me? So I'm sitting there processing, processing, processing. He says, okay. I go up to him, I'm like, yeah, what do you want to talk about? He's like, mm. Then you go talk in my office. Okay. So we walk across campus, and I'm like, what is going on? He's going to murder me. I'm dead. I'm dead. Bye, Mom. <laughs> I'm just going to run. You know. He takes me off. He sits me down. He says, who told you you needed to be here? I said, what? <laughs> A lot of people. He said, no, no, no. Who told you you needed to be here? I said, well, let me guess. You were volunteering at a church, and they told you that you needed more theology. That's actually exactly what they said. So he throws a Bible on, the, on his desk, and he takes out a systematic theology book, and he slides both of them toward me. And he says, you can learn this, but what you do every morning, I can't teach you. I need you to stop coming to seminary and start working at the church. 
I said, are you sure? Because that is drastically different than what everybody said. This, guys, listen to me. This is the best. Oh, this is the best part. I feel like I need to tell people to cover their ears because it's, it's important. Dad, cover your ears. Okay. He said, this is word for word. I'll never forget this moment in my life. He said, I bet you somebody told you you needed a seminary degree to be a lead pastor someday. And he said, if that's the God you serve, you need to reread this book. 